0: Hi, today is September 23rd, and it is Thursday in Santa Barbara, 11:45 in the morning. I just returned last Friday from a oh, a few days in London and then a week-long safari in Kenya. And if you've never been to Kenya, um, I encourage you to go. The people were so kind everywhere we went, and uh, I was humbled by some of the poverty I saw there. But people do to get water. I mean, it, it's just its just amazing. And I hope to be able to do more for the Kenyan people. Um, an organization I recommend for donation is kiva.org. It's K-I-V-A dot org. Uh, it's a place that helps fund. You do like a $25 donation towards funding a project for some for a specific person. So I donated $25 to a lady in Kenya who's trying to get some broilers to for, I think, a restaurant or something. But something to consider. The articles I want to talk about, this first one kind of got me because we were former owners of a swimming pool, and my husband and I, we love to swim, but we haven't swam in a while. But it says chemicals in indoor swimming pools may increase cancer risk. So swimming in indoor chlorinated pools may induce genotoxicity, which is DNA damage that could lead to cancer, as well as respiratory effects, but the positive health effects of swimming can be maintained by reducing pool levels of the chemicals beyond the potential risks, according to a study published in a set of three articles online September 12th, which is published ahead of In the peer-reviewed journal *Environmental Health Perspectives*, the study is the first to provide a comprehensive characterization of disinfection byproducts, which is DBPs, in an indoor pool environment, and the first to study the genotoxicity of exposure to the chemicals among swimmers in an indoor chlorinated pool. DBPs form in pool water from reactions between disinfectants such as chlorine and organic matter that is either present naturally or is introduced by swimmers such as by sweat, skin cells, and urine. Previous epidemiological studies have found an association between exposure to DBPs in drinking water and risk of bladder cancer, and one such study has found the association for dermal inhalational exposure such as occurs during showering, bathing, or swimming. The new study details a comprehensive investigation of DBPs and mutagenicity of water samples collected from two indoor pools one that was disinfected with chlorine, the other with bromine. In addition, short-term changes in biomarkers of genotoxicity and respiratory effects were studied in swimmers who swam in the chlorinated pool. No previous studies have combined investigations of the mutagenicity ability to cause permanent DNA mutation of pool water with a comprehensive chemical characterization of the water and studies of human exposures. Evidence of the genotoxic effects were seen in 49 healthy adults after they swam for 40 minutes in the chlorinated pool. Specifically, researchers found increases in two genotoxicity biomarkers relative to the concentration of the most common types of DBPs in exhaled breath, which were used as a measure of the swimmer's exposures. The biomarkers that increased were micronuclei in blood lymphocytes which have been associated with cancer risk in healthy subjects, and urine mutagenicity, which is a biomarker of exposure to genotoxic agents. Detailed measurements were made of the most common exhaled DPPs in air around the pool and an exhaled breath of the swimmers before and after swimming. The researchers measured several biomarkers of respiratory effects after swimming and found changes in only one. A slight increase in serum CC16 which suggests an increase in lung epithelial permeability. This result was explained by the effects of exercise itself as well as exposure to DBPs. Further research is needed to sort out the clinical relevance of of this acute change. In addition, the authors identified more than 100 DBPs in the pool water, some never reported previously in swimming pool water and or chlorinated drinking water. In vitro assays show that the swimming pool water was mutagenic at levels similar to that of drinking water, but was more cytotoxic than drinking water. The human exposures studied were short-term, and further investigations of genotoxic and respiratory effects of long-term exposures are needed. Also noted was a need for further research on an array of swimming pools under various conditions of maintenance and use, as well as more complete evaluations of the uptake and potential effects of the wide range of compounds present in pool water. These are preliminary results with small studies and needs further development, but it makes you wonder. The next one is called low carb diet is better than vegetables. This is kind of scary, isn't it? Low carb diets are not all alike, according to a new Boston study. Your health may depend on how you fill the rest of your plate. People who ate diets low in carbs but high in animal protein and fat had a greater risk of dying than people who ate higher amounts of carbs, but people who ate low-carb diets that were high in plant-based protein and fat had a lower risk of dying than people who ate high-carb diets. Low-carb diets like the popular Atkins diet have been tested against low-fat diets to see which regimen helped people lose weight. But this paper takes a different approach, comparing death rates between people who ate high-carb diets and low-carb diets, including either animal sources of protein and fat or vegetables such as beans, peas, or nuts. If people choose to eat less carbs, that means they eat more of something else. That something else is better off being a plant-based source of protein and fat rather than an animal-based source, which is nothing new. The researchers followed more than 85,000 women enrolled in the Nurses' Health Study and more than 44,000 men in the Health Professionals' Follow-Up Study. Participants answered periodic questions on the food they ate, how active they were, how much they weighed, and whether they smoked, among other variables. After 20 years for the men and 26 years for the women, more than 20,000 people had died. To see if there might be a connection between diet and death, the researchers divided the participants into 10 groups based on carb intake and looked at deaths caused by cardiovascular disease or cancer. The observational study cannot establish cause and effect, obviously, but it did find a correlation between people on low-carb, animal source diets and mortality, especially from cancer, compared with high-carb diets. People eating low-carb High plant source diets have a lower mortality rate than people eating high-carb diets, especially from cardiovascular disease. The association remained after body mass index, smoking, and other factors were taken into account. An editorial appearing with the article says the study cannot provide a definitive answer. No one can legitimately legitimately claim that a low-carb diet is either harmful or safe with certainty until a large-scale randomized study with meaningful clinical endpoints is done, which is pretty, you know, that's what we've been saying in all of these podcasts. It's, but it certainly lends evidence to consider changing your behaviors. Um, so low carb, high uh, uh, plant source proteins is what we should be going for. Everything seems to be t- pointing toward that direction, that the plant-based diets are more beneficial in helping people live long and healthier life. So the author says, rather than th- when you say to yourself, what am I going to have for dinner? Don't think meat, which is, you know, that's well, we're going to have a steak tonight, we're going to have hamburger tonight, but instead think, what is the vegetable? That's all I have for now. This is Dr. Gwen, again, wishing you health, happiness, and joy. Take care.